Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. Joining me today on Let's Talk is Mike Smith, Operations Manager of Safe Deposit Scotland. Morning, Mike. Good morning. I think we've both established actually that we're both a bit snuffly and it's also a Zoom podcast, so we'll just let listeners know now about sound quality on all of Now, just going straight into it, tenancy deposit schemes were introduced in Scotland in 2012. Can you explain the reasons as to why these schemes were brought in? Yeah, I think really one of or two reasons mainly. I think firstly that there wasn't really uh, an easy way for tenants to get redress when they were unhappy with claims that uh, landlords or agents were making against the deposit. The only way to do that would have been to um, make a court application and to have your case heard in court. And that takes time and it takes money as well. Um, So really it was to give... uh, I suppose both parties a chance to actually have a third party make a decision about what should happen with the deposit. And really, I think previously, some agents and landlords saw the deposit as a form of revenue. So really, they were just looking for ways to be able to retain the deposit at the end. And the schemes were really created to stop that from happening. Yeah, well, well, Safe Deposit Scotland is one of the three government-approved deposit schemes in Scotland. So what makes your organisation unique to the others? So, for a start, we've got much more of a presence in Scotland. Uh, The other two schemes uh, are... are um, England-based, although one of them does now have a, a, a business development manager that has some presence in Scotland. Uh, the other thing that's different is that we're a not-for-profit organisation, um, whereas the other two schemes are, are, are profit-driven. Um, and one of the things that that does for us is that that means we're not quite so um, driven by the bottom line, which means that we have staffing which is adequate to make sure that the phones are answered quickly and that we can be out and about uh, and, and meeting clients much more readily than than, than the competitors are. Right well um, and, and you know although the schemes have been in operation for a considerable time now we are still hearing stories of landlords who haven't complied I and mean, we reported one recently in the City Let's blog where the landlord actually kept the tenant's deposit in a tin in his mum's house. So as much as it may sound amusing, you know, obviously it is very concerning. So what are the legal consequences for a landlord who doesn't comply? So the... If it goes to the first year tribunal, the uh, tenant can be awarded up to three times the value of the deposit. Um, now, we keep a track of, of, of all the cases um, and the tribunal tend to, um, there's, there's no hard and fast pattern, but they don't award the three times all that often. But we have seen a couple and there was one um, which was ended up with a, a £4,500 penalty to the landlord um, for, not, for not protecting uh, the deposit. Interestingly in this, though, there was a change to the legislation uh, just at the tail end of 2018, which now made the schemes uh, tell tenants where the deposit has been protected late. So the landlord, when they register the deposit, has to put in the tenancy start date. And if then the date that we receive the funds is out with the 30 working days, we are obliged by law to tell the tenant both at the start of the tenancy and at the end of the tenancy that the deposit was protected late, um, which then obviously motivates the tenant to uh, to go to the first year tribunal. So landlords really need to be much more careful about being uh, compliant. 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, disputes at the end of tenancy, you know, can be stressful and timely for both parties. What, what would be your advice to landlords to avoid lengthy and complicated, <clears throat> excuse me, disputes that could progress to a formal, you know, alternative dispute resolution? There's a number of things. I think that um, we would always suggest that prior to the actual final checkout date, go round and visit the tenant do like a pre-checkout visit uh, and maybe point out some of the things that are often missed. Things like oven cleans, um, you know, uh, basic dusting, bits of the kitchen, just just the, the things that you know that tenants are, are going to miss. Um, then when you do the checkout, be honest and upfront with the tenants there and then if you're going to make a claim. It's very common that we hear that uh, agents will go around and do um, the, the they'll final checkout with the tenant and say, that's fine, I'll put that through, you'll get your deposit back. And the next thing the tenant hears is that there's a claim against the deposit that they weren't expecting. And at that point, the tenant just puts a wall up and doesn't want to listen to any of it. Um, the other thing I would say as well is that it's really important um, that landlords and agents factor in wear and tear when, the, when they're trying, if they're making a claim. If the item that they're claiming for, say that's damaged, uh, is you know was was five years old by the time the the tenant moved into the property, then you can't take the full value for for a replacement from the deposit. You need to factor in the fact that it, it's already been subject to you know five years of wear and tear. Um, and I would say as well, lastly, be willing to negotiate. Um, you know, we find, well, we actually have two negotiators at Safe Deposits, and we find that, you know, there's people are, are amenable to negotiating. Um, sometimes they don't want to speak to each other. Sometimes they want us, you know, as a third party to, to mediate because the, the relationship has broken down. Yeah. yeah, but be willing to negotiate. And that way you can avoid the eight to 12 weeks of, of, of stress of going through the actual dispute process. Yes, and more about at the start of tenancy, there's certain procedures that landlords can do that can, you, you know, help maybe prevent um, disputes at the end of anything. They can cover themselves, you know, with really good, you know, schedule of conditions and inventories, things like that. What well, that's we it. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, the, those documents, the check-in and the check-out are going to be absolutely essential if you're going to make a claim uh, against the, the tenant's deposit if the tenant disputes it, um, because you need to have the baseline condition of the property um, set out in the check-in and then obviously the, the check-out so we can compare what the two are like. I would always say as well, don't be too reliant on photographs. Photographs are supplementary things. People seem to think that they are the the, the make or break I, I, uh, documents in in, uh, in, a, in a claim, and they're not. The written word is far stronger than, than photographs. Photographs will merely supplement what you have in your check-in and check-out report. If you don't have the check-in and check-out report, what you are actually going to be relying on is the tenant making an admission in their evidence submission that they've done something wrong. Otherwise, your, your claim is going to fail. Right. Gosh, that's, well, that's very useful for landlords. Well, cleaning has often been reported as the main cause of the end of tenancy disputes. You know, have this, has this been safe deposits experience too? What other main causes for disputes have you encountered? Cleaning is by far and away the most uh, common thing. About 60% of uh, disputes that we have involve uh, some part of cleaning. Um, they may have other things, other heads of claim as well, but cleaning is usually always there. Um, other than that, damage it would be the next uh, most common thing. Tenants redecorating without uh, uh, getting permission. Uh, very recently, we had um, the 
a tenant. In fairness, they did ask the landlord if they could redecorate, and the landlord gave them permission to redecorate in pastel colours, and the tenant painted the room a bright fuchsia colour, <laughs> um, which uh, and then claimed that that was that they were an art student and that that was a pastel colour. Um, so, which obviously it isn't. Um, gardening um, is is not as common. Um, what I would say about gardening is that. Um, Tenants will sometimes rent a property with a garden without any real gardening experience. And uh, my advice to landlords is save yourself the hassle, maybe put an extra £20 on the rent and put a garden around every month to do that for the tenant because you can't rely on the tenant being that green-fingered that they'll be able to maintain the, the garden properly. Um, but other things we've seen, I, I remember one case we had where um, the landlord was alleging that the tenant had stolen uh, a six-foot concrete crocodile, uh, which was a, a garden ornament, uh, and, sent, and sent us a photo of a chalk outline of where the uh, the crocodile had been. So it was like a murder scene. Murder scene. Yeah. But the tenant said, I can't drive. How, do I, how was I going to move a six-foot concrete crocodile? Um, Sadly, I can't remember how that case ended, oh, so no, um, I'll have to leave you in suspense. It's not like a gnome that can be easily moved. <laughs> exactly, absolutely, yeah. Uh, there was one other case as well, um, which um, the tenant had moved into a rural property and asked if they could have a couple of small dogs in the property uh, and ended up, uh, after they'd gotten permission, moving in 12 French Mastiffs oh into the property. And uh, that case actually ended up on, I think it was Nightmare Neighbours on, on, on television. Did it really go? Yeah. Well, moving on to the effects of the pandemic, how did Safe Deposit Scotland navigate through the initial stages of the crisis? So we, uh, to give a little bit of background, um, our, our sort of parent company, TDS, who do the same uh, job as us uh, down, down south in England, they had uh, a fire at their headquarters uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, and uh, building completely burnt to the ground. And one of the things that we did as a result of that was we went through our business continuity plan uh, and really made sure it was prepared because now we'd been through a disaster. We wanted to make sure we were prepared if something ever happened again. Uh, and that really set us uh, up well for, for what happened with, with COVID. Uh, I was in Gran Canaria the week before uh, we had to uh, start working from home, made a couple of phone calls to the office just to check a couple of things. And basically what happened was I came back on the Monday um, we decided on the Tuesday we were going to decant. And basically we worked uh, in shifts. We would put two people home at a time uh, and our, our phone systems can be uh, rerouted to people's uh, own mobile phones. So there was literally no break in the service. And then within two hours, we'd gone from having everyone in the office to having everyone sitting at their own little desks at home. Um, the... The, the the external things that we do, all the visits and the events, uh, you know, much like everywhere else, we've, we've not been able to do that. And we've moved to, you know, rather than doing classroom training, we've moved to doing webinars. Um, but yeah, it really hasn't affected the business all that all that much, apart from the fact that we don't see each other as, as often as we used to. Well, that's the thing. That's one of the trying things just now, isn't it, with offices? Well, to aid landlords and tenants during this unprecedented time, Safe Deposit Scotland introduced the resolution service. So can you tell us in detail about this? Yeah. So... Um it became obviously very apparent that uh, it's not a surprise to anyone that tenants are racking up rent arrears, uh, you know, at a frightening rate through no fault of their own much of the time now. Um, so what we decided we would do is that we would offer a, 
a service to try and broker rent agreements where we can. This initially was an idea down in England, uh, and it was going to be a, a, a chargeable service. Um, we didn't think that um, you know that there was a an appetite for for paying for this, so we decided we would offer it for free. Mm-hmm. We have two negotiators anyway that that do negotiating for um, for disputes. So this, these same two chaps, Ewan and, and Cameron, basically, what will happen is you go onto the website. There is a, a safe deposits resolution website, um, but you can phone the office as well if you prefer. Give us some basic details about uh, how much rent arrears. Uh, the party is in um, and then basically we try and reach out to the other party and and see if it's possible to broker an agreement um, landlords can come to us first the tenant can come to us first uh, and, and we'll just then try and be you know a, a, a third party to see what what we can do to, to resolve that it is becoming quite apparent though that some tenants are in um, excessive amounts of rent arrears with no real means to pay it back at the problem uh, sorry to, to pay it back at present and that's that's a big problem uh, and, and one that the service isn't able to, to resolve but we have had a couple of successes as well. Oh that's good to hear well it's not just open to landlords and tenants that use Safe Deposits Scotland is it? It's open to all landlords and tenants is that right? Absolutely absolutely you don't need to be a client of us to, to, to use it anyone can use it and we've had a couple of letting agents that have asked uh, if, if they can use the service as well and letting agents will, will do this sort of work themselves but again sometimes relationships break down and, and having a third party doing the mediation um, will, will make the tenants a little bit more amenable to actually listening yes well for those listening that would like to use the service can you walk them through the process certainly so go to the sds resolution website and there's a a short form that you fill in and it's very short it's some basic contact details then what will happen is that um, either cameron or ewan will contact that party and just get a little bit more background we'll ask about how much rent arrears uh, that there are um, what uh, attempts they've made to resolve it so far if it's the tenant that comes to us we'll ask a little bit of questions about their income about you know how much more they'd be able to, to offer on top of the rent to, to clear and then we'll go to the landlord and ask the same questions how much you know would you be willing to accept um you know per month to see how, uh, how, how how we can clear the arrears yeah well you recently reported that there are over this is moving on to kind of un, unclaimed deposits you recently reported there are over half a million in unclaimed deposits in your scheme so how can this happen like how can someone actually forget to claim back their deposit um, yeah, I, I don't quite know how it happens so so regularly and how we've ended up with with so much money um, unclaimed. There's a couple of reasons. Sometimes um, it's there's a, a, a bigger problem with Chinese students um, who seem to think that the deposit actually just once you've paid your deposit, it's gone, and they return to China. And, and they just forget about the deposit and, and think that they were never going to get it back anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that, that's very common is university addresses, um, university email addresses. So parties will give us that at the start uh, of the deposit being registered. And then once they leave university, that you, that email address uh is no longer usable uh, and then when we try and send them emails to claim the deposit back they don't get them because the address is, is no longer functional right i mean that's uh, because safe deposits is very active in, in trying to ensure that tenants do receive these deposits back aren't they 
we are we have one member of staff uh, a gentleman called Andy who basically spends his time just trying to reunite people with deposits um, we use a variety of ways of doing that um, sometimes if it's uh, someone with the, an unusual name we will go onto LinkedIn and uh, see if we can track them down that way um, we'll phone landlords and agents and see if they have any alternative contact details for people um, we did have one £11,000 deposit which somebody had forgotten to claim back um, that was a footballer uh, and Andy being a football fan happened to know which football team they, they were with we phoned the, the club and the club were like sorry you've got £11,000 for who but then once we explained within half an hour the person had phoned us back and we'd given them the money back Great, great story. Yeah. They well, obviously didn't need it that much if it was uh, know, if forgotten about £5 it. Pounds to them. Exactly, yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Safe Deposit Scotland set up its charitable trust in 2016. So tell us about the purpose of the trust. Very simple, uh, the, the, the trust's purpose is simply to promote best practice in the private rented sector, uh, and that's by funding any projects which um, which, which do that. Um, they can be landlord-focused, they can be tenant-focused, they can be agent-focused, as long as they somehow promote best practice within the PRS, that is something that the, the trust will consider. Um, they've given away just under £600,000, I think it is now, since since the beginning. So tell us about some of the projects then, um, about how this money's been used. Yeah, so um, we've funded some smaller projects. So there was a, a PhD research student uh, whose PhD was in uh, something to do with housing, and they'd asked for a small amount of money to, to fund that research, um, which we did. Um, we've given money to Shelter Scotland a couple of times to make some tweaks to the website. Um, one of the ones I, I thought was really effective uh, was for with Action in Children, which is a, an organisation in Dundee, and basically where families are in um, financial strife, they will um, try and help them uh, save their, their tenancy. Uh, and actually, at National Letting Day last year, um, one of the agents came up and said they'd actually had a couple of, of uh, tenancies which had been saved by that by that project, which is really mm -hmm. good to hear. Uh, and very recently, we've given money to, uh, to Deaf Action, um, which, again, is just simply to try and make um, the PRS uh, more accessible for people with, uh, with hearing impairments. Good. So it's, it's quite, quite a mixed bag of things. Absolutely. Well, Safe Deposit Scotland was recently awarded the coveted Customer Service Excellence Accreditation. So tell us about this and, and what it means to your organisation. So th this is one of the, the, the probably the best things that's happened since uh, I started at Safe Deposits. So the Customer Service Excellence Accreditation is basically uh, an assessment of the entirety of your your, your customer service offering. There are 57 criteria. You must pass all 57. If you fail in one area, you don't get the accreditation. Uh, and it, it basically measures everything from about your, your customer profile, how you understand your customers, how you deliver uh, for them, um, customer feedback. Um, we were meant to do this in person. The gentleman is meant to attend for the day, but uh, COVID ruined that. Um, but we decided we would try and do it virtually, which is exactly what we did. Um, we got compliance in all 57 areas, but you do get what's called uh, as well a compliance plus, which is where you exceed. Uh, we got four of those, and we got one of those, which uh, no other organization has ever gotten, um, so which, was, which was excellent. Uh, and, and again, it's just it, it's something that sets us apart from, from the competition. And be a, a, a huge boost to all, all your staff. 
Well, Safe Deposit Scotland produce a monthly magazine, Key Matters. Um, in fact, it's a featuring in the January edition. So if you can tell us what's all included in the publication and, and also how they can subscribe. We can email it out to you. We um, we tend to, for agents, uh, we, we go around and we drop them off normally. We have actual hard copies printed. Um, you can subscribe uh, by emailing magazine at safedepositscotland.com. And um, yeah, the stuff that's in the magazine... Um, varied things. We do some industry news. Um, we will sometimes have articles, guest articles from folks like City Let's, um, sometimes from Sal. Um, there are usually a couple of adjudication uh, case studies uh, and people tend to really enjoy those because th that's the bit of the business that people are, are, are usually quite interested in, in learning about. Um, we will have there's a, a two-page section on the basics about how to protect the deposit if you've never done it before. Okay, well, let's now get a bit personal because you've got a very different background to, well, obviously you've excelled for many years in customer-focused environments, but you have a background in music and theatre, don't you? So I, I do. let's hear about all of this side. And I think you've also been a singing teacher. So let, let's, hear, let's hear about this side of Mike. So, yeah. So I started my career uh, working uh, at McDonald's back in 1996 for £2.88 an hour. Yeah. Uh, and I, I worked in fast food for a few years. And I think once I'd hit my mid-20s, um, I'd, want, I'd always wanted to do music. Uh, so I decided, that's it, I'm going to go back and study music. It's exactly what I did. Um, and uh, once I'd uh, graduated, I decided to become a singing teacher. Uh, I did that for eight years. Um, I have been on stage quite a few times as well, not professionally, um, uh -huh. with like local amateur groups uh, back home in Aberdeen, which is where I'm from originally. Um, I've done a bit of conducting as well, so I've been the musical director. Uh, um, and I, I still do occasionally teach. I have some friends that are professionals um, who, you know, when they're maybe doing auditions, they'll come along and we'll um, do a little bit of, uh, of work together uh, and I did actually do uh, an amateur show last last year but the funny thing was though that, that um, I suppose really what drove me back into um, proper work if you will if you will, was was um, the, the 2008 financial crash. And then, you know, people's money to have uh, singing lessons, which are a luxury, yeah. there's no doubt, um, uh, you know, that it became impossible for them. And then I really needed to go and get a, a proper job. But that said, I actually think I'm happier doing it as a hobby because when your hobby becomes your job, it's very easy to, uh, to, to fall out of love with it. So yeah. now I do it as a hobby. It is something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure having you on. So thank you very much, Mike. My pleasure. I'm Gillian Sandler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms, including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citylets.co.uk.